Welcome to Wicked Majesty. Hello everybody, this is Kia from Wicked Majesty and you are listening to Tea and Terror Podcast, the show that entertains with true and fictional stories from beyond the grave for people who love horror. Welcome to another night of terror and classic macabre on Tea and Terror Podcast. I am your host, Kia Reed. Tonight in our fourth episode, The Mysterious Resurrectionist of the Body Snatcher series, we dive into the twisted mind of a man consumed by darkness. Meet the enigmatic figure whose deeds inspired Stevenson's haunting character, Dr. Wolf McFarlane, whose deeds unravel the layers of deceit obsession and relentless pursuit of scientific knowledge that drove this physician to collaborate with the resurrection men explore the blurred boundaries between morality and scientific ambition and discover how this fascinating character shaped the unnerving events that unfold in the body snatcher get ready for a gripping exploration of the enigmatic figure at the heart of this chilling tale Narration will be done by Jacob Williams. If you are watching from the Wicked Majesty YouTube channel and it's your first time seeing my content, welcome to the Wicked Majesty channel. I post horror stories, gothic tales, and creepypastas that will get your blood rushing and nightmares beyond your imagination. If horror is your thing, then I encourage you to hit that subscribe button and ring the notification bell for updates on the Body Snatcher series and other videos I post each week. If you are a returning subscriber, thank you very much for watching my videos and subscribing. You definitely help my channel flourish and I greatly appreciate it. If you are listening to the podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud, then please share the Tea and Terror podcast with others, add it to your playlist, and subscribe. Thank you all so much. seconds were for Fitz an agony of thought, but in balancing his terrors it was the most immediate that triumphed. 
Any future difficulty seemed almost welcome if he could avoid a present quarrel with McFarlane. He set down the candle, which he had been carrying all this time, and with a steady hand entered the date, the nature, and the amount of the transaction. And now, it's only fair that you should pocket the Lukla. I've had my share already. By the by, when a man of the world falls into a bit of luck, has a few extra shillings in his pocket, I'm ashamed to speak of it. But there's a rule of conduct in the case. No treating, no purchase of expensive class books, no squaring of old debts. Bolo, don't lend. McFarlane, I've put my neck in a halter to oblige you. A horrible sense of blackness and the treachery of fate seized upon the soul of the unhappy student. My God, but what have I done? And when did I begin? To be made a class assistant in the name of reason? Where's the harm in that? Service wanted the position. Service might have got it. Would he have been where I am now? My dear fellow, what a boy you are. What harm has come to you? What harm can come to you if you hold your tongue? Why, man, do you know what this life is? There are two squads of us, the lions and the lambs. If you're a lamb, you're come to lie upon these tables like Grey or Jane Galbraith. If you're a lion, you'll live and drive a horse like me, like Kay, like all the world with any wit or courage. You're staggering at first, but look at Kay, my dear fellow, you're clever. You have pluck. I like you, and Kay likes you. You were born to lead the hunt, and I tell you, on my honor and experience of life, three days from now, you'll laugh at all these scarecrows like a high school boy at the farce. And with that, McFarlane took his departure and drove off up the wind in his gig to get under cover before daylight. Fetz was thus left alone with his regrets. He saw the miserable peril in which he stood involved. He saw, with inexplicable dismay, that there was no limit to his weakness, and that, from concession to concession, he had fallen from the arbiter of McFarlane's destiny to his paid and helpless accomplice. He would have given the world to have been a little braver at the time, but it did not occur to him that he might still be brave. The secret of Jane Galbraith and the cursed entry in the day-book closed his mouth. Hours passed. The class began to arrive. The members of the unhappy Grey were dealt out to one and to another, and received without remark. Richardson was made happy with the head, and before the hour of freedom rang, Fetz trembled with exultation to perceive how far they had already gone towards safety. For two days he continued to watch, with increasing joy, the dreadful process of disguise. On the third day, McFarlane made his appearance. He had been ill, he said, but he made up for lost time by the energy with which he had directed the students. To Richardson, in particular, he extended the most valuable assistance and advice, and that student, encouraged by the praise of the demonstrator, burned high with ambitious hopes and saw the medal already in his grasp. Before the week was out, McFarlane's prophecy had been fulfilled. Fetz had outlived his terror and had forgotten his baseness. He began to plume himself upon his courage, and had so arranged the story in his mind that he could look back on these events with an unhealthy pride. Of his accomplice he saw but little. They met, of course, in the business of the class. They received their orders together from Mr. K. At times they had a word or two in private, and McFarlane was, from first to last, particularly kind and jovial. 
but it was plain that he avoided any reference to their common secret, and even when Fetz whispered to him that he had cast in his lot with the lions and forsworn the lambs, he had only signed to him, smiling to hold his peace. At length an occasion arose which threw the pair once more into a closer union. Mr. K was again short of subjects, pupils were eager, and it was part of this teacher's pretensions to always be well supplied. At the same time there came the news of a burial in the rustic graveyard of Glencourse. Time has little changed the place in question. It stood then, as now, upon a cross road, out of call of human habitations, and buried fathom deep in the foliage of six cedar trees. The cries of the sheep upon the neighbouring hills, the streamlets upon either hand, one loudly singing among pebbles, the other dripping furatively from pond to pond, the stir of the wind in the mountainous old flowering chestnuts, and once in seven days the voice of the bell and the old tunes of the precentor were the only sounds that disturbed the silence around the rural church. Until next time, sleep tight, don't... Well, that is our episode for the week. Thank you for listening. If you want to hear more episodes coming up in the future, then definitely add the Tea and Terror to your playlist on Spotify or Apple Podcast. You can also check out the show on my Wicked Majesty channel. This is Kia, and I will catch you next week. Same time, same place. Have a good night.